Good morning. Will you grade yourself in your relationship with God right now? You ever remember walking to class and then there's a pop quiz or a test? But I want to do that right now. Honestly, grade your relationship with God. As you think about God and you think about how you communicate and love God, grade yourself. Now, be honest. I mean, we're talking about God here. Be honest. Now, I don't need to know. Don't tell your wife or your friend or anybody about it, but be honest with what you're grading yourself. On a scale of 1 to 10 or 0 to 10, 0 being non-existent and 10 being basically in heaven with Peter and and, uh, all the apostles and Moses and everybody, that would be a 10, so don't grade yourself there. But really grade yourself from 0 to 10. Where are you really at? But realize this. Know that God knows that number. And I hope that your number and God's number is close from one to 10. Now, here's what I'm grading myself. And honestly, normally I'm one of those guys that lower, uh, gives a lower grade because I kind of, oh, I'm going to be humble and great. But really, I'm going to be honest today. I've worked really hard the last six or eight weeks to change my life and work hard on pursuing God. And so I'm going to give myself a 6.25, 6.25. Five. So I got the 0.25 because six is kind of okay, but the 0.25 really hits it over the top. And so I know that that's a little bit beyond where maybe I should be, but I've been working hard. And so I want to grade myself and really know, God, I hope I'm close to that number when I think about my relationship with you. I believe God takes that number, whatever it is, if it's a one or if it's an eight or if it's a three, and he wants to change that number and grow that number to be more like what his number is and beyond what he has for you. Today, we're going to talk about living for God. And really, it's the pursuit of God. So let's refine that idea or concept of the pursuit of God. And let's do that right now. There's going to be a moment in the text, I think in verse 7, that's going to really intensify what it means to do it right now. And that's what we want to do today. Pursue God. What is pursuit? I always like having dictionary definitions, and I think it helps you get an understanding of what I'm talking about. So hopefully this will make sense as we look at the definition of pursuit. It says, the action or activity of following or pursuing someone or something. How is your action or activity following God, pursuing God? How is that? And that's what we're trying to grade. What is that number? Hopefully by the middle of the message and end of that message, maybe you kind of overgraded yourself and it'll be lower and that's okay. Or maybe you undergraded yourself and you see that there's actually more that you are doing. The idea here is to measure where you're at and pursue God no matter what. And I think that by the end of the message, you'll see how that plays out into our, our personal Christian walk with Christ. A.W. Tozer is going to be a big theme today, but here's what he says. He says, I want the presence of God himself, or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has, or I don't want anything. I want the presence of God, or I want nothing to do with religion. There's no middle ground here. You know, we talk about lukewarm Christianity. The Western society is lukewarm, and our job is to say, I want everything that God has, the presence, the, the, the grace, and the holiness, and all that he has, or I want nothing at all. Too often, especially in America, we, we settle for middle ground. And I don't know if that's what God wants as we are refining our pursuit. God wants an on-fire person for the glory of the Lord. We're living for the glory of the Lord. Pursuing God is really pursuing a relationship. That's what I'm talking about, to be very specific. It's not pursuing God for something. I'm not pursuing God so that I can get that spouse or that boyfriend or girlfriend or that job or that promotion. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about pursuing God to build a relationship because what separates Christianity from all other religions is that relationship. And I hope that you understand as we're talking about the pursuit of God, it's about pursuing a a great relationship. I'm not asking God something like I would for Santa Claus or from the Easter Bunny or from a Disneyland type of God. This is really pursuing a relationship. So I'm going to ask you again, will you actively measure 
or grade yourself in your relationship with God? And will you make a decision by the end of this message to maybe flat out pursue God? No matter where you're at or what you're doing, if you're an elder of a church or if you're a pastor or if you're just somebody new, I think by the end, as we dig through what Peter has in 1 Peter 4, I think we're going to be inspired, hopefully, by the Holy Spirit and the words that God has given us to actively pursue following and loving and living for God. So here's what it says. Let's open up our Bible, wherever you're at. Get your app out. Get your Bible out. And let's turn to 1 Peter 4. It's at the very end. There's only a couple books beyond this, but it's at the very end. If you see mine, there's a lot of pages before. And mine's on page 1081, 1081. So if that's the page you have, great. We're in the same Bible. But let's see what Peter writes as we dig into this refined series. And I hopefully you've been refined a little bit, if not a lot, over the last few weeks. So here's what it says, 1 Peter 4, verse 1. It says, so then. Now, if we just stop there, what are we talking about? So then means everything that was said in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 now equates to what we're going to say in the future. It connects. It works together. So then what? Well, if you've been listening to our series, so then it says all that has been said about hope and about the holiness of God and about honor is everything and love is, is through the man and a woman and marriage, but it's really through the eyes of Christ and the church, which is we are the church and then it's about love and patience so then after all of those things are connected now we see Peter is trying to connect uh, to us to understand about pursuing God he says so then since Christ suffered physical pain you must arm yourself with that same attitude he had and to be ready to suffer too for if you have suffered physically for Christ you have finished with sin I love that I want to just stop there for a second and, and, and dig into what it says. Arm yourself. Are you armed and ready to pursue God? Are you ready to live a life for the glory of God? Arm yourself, it says. And then it says this. It, and this is kind of tough to hear. It says, for if you have physically suffered for Christ, then you have finished uh, with sin. Are you finished with sin? Have you painstakingly walked through sin in some way, shape, or form that you have now no longer struggling with that sin? Maybe it's an addiction of some sort. Have you walked away uh, from sin painstaking? We're talking about pain. We're not talking about, oh, I drank too much last night and I shouldn't drink again. I'm talking about walking through a tough place in your life and saying, I am suffering like Christ suffered and I'm no longer going to do this sin. It says that I have suffered like Christ suffered and I am finished with sin. God wants us to continue to refine our walk and our pursuit to following him by walking away from big sin so that at the end of the day and at the end of our life, we have less sin and more of him. I hope that kind of rhymes and makes sense. But if you are painstakingly finished with sin, you have suffered like Christ in some way has suffered, meaning Christ has suffered the ultimate suffering. And we'll talk about that next week. But God wants you to suffer and, and not because he thinks that's important, but that's what we do when we're dealing with sin. Let's continue. It says, for you have suffered physically for Christ and you have finished with sin. And then verse two, and this is going to bring up a point in a second. So you don't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. That's good. Let's get back to that. Verse 3 says, you have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality, their lust, their feasting and their drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Let's just stop there for a second. And as we're pursuing God, pray. I'm going to pray, but honestly, I shouldn't be the only one praying. Let's all pray together and let the Holy Spirit speak to all of us right now. And use us as we're talking about pursuing God and refining our walk and our, and our life with Christ. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come together to glorify you, Lord. Wherever we're at, Lord, use this internet, use this medium, use social media right now to change the atmosphere in someone's life, in someone's house and room or car or wherever they're watching. And Lord, I pray whoever... Um, joins into this, that they will be captivated by you. 
and that they want, will want to know more about you and the pursuit of following you all the days of their life. Holy Spirit, move right now and refine us in a way to pursue you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We want to do more for you in our own walk. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse two really brings me to my first point of the message today. I try and do a couple of points to kind of shape and guide the message into one particular place or the other. And here's the first point of the message. Pursuing God is not chasing your own desires. Pursuing God is not chasing your own desires. A, a little bit earlier, I said, it's about relationship. It's not about something that you can get from God. Too often we want something from God and that's not really the pursuit that God wants from you. Pursuing God is not chasing your own desires. It's finishing with sin. Think about that addictive person that you might know in the family. You know, nowadays addiction is huge. And think about that addicted person and how they're struggling. And, and, and the one that's finished with sin, man, that's a good place to be. And I've been fortunate to walk away from some addiction. And it's really a, a freeing point to think about. That sin has no longer entangled me in the, in the snares of the enemy. And so God has wanted all of us to finish with sin. And those that are pursuing God are working on big sins so that their, their relationship with God can be more fruitful. Pursuing God in this text is letting go of the world, letting go of the world. I love that song, the cross before me, the world behind me. I, I talk about it every time I think about the world and, and God, I, I'm like, the cross is before me and the world's behind me. We've got to be finished with the world and finished with sin. And since Christ has suffered, we need to be anxious and suffer too. And next week, we're going to spend the whole week talking about suffering. So hopefully it won't scare you away because I promise you it's going to be an awesome message. But here's what verse two says after it says, you won't spend the rest of your life um, chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do everything, uh, anxious to do the will of God. Are you anxious to do the will of God? Are you really anxious to do the will of God? Did you get up today and said, man, Lord, I'm going to do everything I can for your will as I'm zooming on high school uh, at Cam High or Rio right now. I'm going to do everything for your glory and for your kingdom. Or before I went to work, I got on my knees and said, Lord, I am so anxious to do your will. I don't even care if I go to work. I'm just going to be about you and what you're about today. And obviously God wants you to work but can you go to work as a living vessel for the glory of God? When you're talking about not chasing your own desires and being finished, you need to be anxious to do the will of God. God wants to be a part of your life, and he obviously doesn't want you to quit your job or quit school. He wants to be a part of your life in school and in work and in your family. Verse three says, you've had enough of the past evil things and, and the godless things that people enjoy. Have you had enough yet? Pursuing God is getting rid of the evil inside of you, turning from this world. Pursuing God is letting go of all your human desires. Pursuing God is releasing the strongholds, these idle strongholds. Do you realize, you know what, this summer, there's been some idle strongholds that I've had in my life that I've had to let go. And this is a whole nother sermon topic, but some people, good Christian people right now are holding on to idols. Good idols, some healthy idols. What I mean by healthy is they're beneficial to them, but they're not necessarily beneficial to God. God says, hold nothing before me, no idols before me. And so you can't put anything on the shelf next to God. God's got to be God alone and everything else, everything else, political, uh, you know, work-wise, financial is all going to be in another level. And that's how we pursue God, releasing these idle strongholds. And then finally, repenting and praying away the lusts and the immoral things that we do as human beings. If you're not pursuing God, you're automatically pursuing the enemy or the enemy's pursuing you depending on what you're doing in your life. But if you're not pursuing a godly life, you're actually allowing the enemy to pursue you or you're choosing to follow the enemy. And here's the thing. If you choose not to pursue, you're making a choice to actually let the enemy win. You know what? Living life doesn't just allow us to grow as a Christian. Just because I say I'm a Christian or that I'm a Christian pastor doesn't mean that I'm growing in my life spiritually. 
Just because I'm living life doesn't mean I'm becoming a mature Christian. I might be becoming mature in my actual walk in this world, but it doesn't mean I'm becoming a mature Christian. Pursuing God means I'm becoming mature. Pursuing God means I'm living a life closer than him. Understanding God, understanding holiness, understanding patience, understanding honor, and not letting this world win, but letting God win. You know what? God loses out when my dreams and my desires win out. We all have great dreams. I'm a big dreamer. I always have been since a kid. But God loses out when my dreams and desires are put on the same level as him and his dreams and desires for you. And the beautiful thing is God has big dreams for you, big plans. And his desire for you and for me is to live a life that's of value and purpose, a life that's truly honoring to him. And honestly, what's happened to me in my short journey with Christ, my life is so much more fruitful, even in the, in, in, in the tough times because I have him walking with me and my family's walking with Christ and we all can share in that glory. During this season of unrest, there's so much division along, uh, among us and you know why? Not all of us or not many of us or maybe none of us are really pursuing Christ the way that we should. So here's that first check. What's your grade look like now? Where's your relationship at with Christ? Are you really pursuing him? Pursuing Christ, that first part, was not chasing your own desires. And now you got to think, how much of my desires am I chasing? Maybe my grade's a little too high. We've got division, and the only real answer is the pursuit of God. Listen to what 1 John says. It's very similar than this topic. It says, for everything in the world, what does that say? For everything in the world, everything, The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Everything in this world, the things that our eyes are tantalized by. Tantalized? Is that right? I have no idea. But the things that our eyes can see, those are lustful things. The things that our flesh can can indulge in, those are the things of this world. The, The pride of life, those are the things that hold me back. Most of the people in this world And most of the people that are divided have a lot of pride about where they should be and where this country should be and what political side and the pride is holding us back. Remember the the Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Where's the humility? Everything in this world that comes to us that's not from God, the world is designed to draw us away from God. It's a tough place to be. Let's continue verse four. It says, of course, your former friends are now surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. Listen, uh, misery loves company. You've always heard that. And that's what Peter's talking about. Your friends are blown away. What do you mean it's Friday night? It's 10 o'clock and you're going to be going to bed. Come out with me and let's get into some debauchery. I don't even know if you use that word anymore, but that's a great biblical pastor word that I could talk and use about. But the truth is this, the enemy and the world want you to plunge into the things of this world. And Peter's trying to challenge us to refine our pursuit with God. Here's what you need to know. Sick people spread sickness. We know that by COVID. I don't know about the mask thing, whatever you believe in the mask, but sick people spread sickness. And that's what we see uh, Peter referring to. The, The friends are saying, come on, let's go do this or let's go do that. Things that are destructive. And those that are pursuing God have to walk away from those things. Those that are pursuing God are moving away from those things so that they can have a more uh, impactful life, life for Christ. The wounded wound. You know, at our community group last night, we were talking about, you know, some of the things that's hard to deal with in life. And not seminary doesn't necessarily prepare us for the struggle and the division and the unrest and all the things that happen when a child dies or when, when someone's tragically killed or when there's division in a church split. It doesn't teach you that. But here's what we need to know. Wounded people wound, and the church wounds people, and most of the time it's not intentional. 
but we wound people because we're wounded. And we need to stay away from this, move from that course of, of, of living for the world and, and, and grow closer to God. Pursuing God angers my friends. I've got friends on Facebook. I've got friends that have uh, unfriended me because of the Christian posts that I make. And that's okay. Obviously, they don't like me for me, which is someone that's living for Christ. And so they've decided that Christ isn't worth it. So wounded, uh, pursuing God angers friends and maybe they're wounded. But they are blown away. I got so many friends that go, man, I can't believe you're a pastor. And I go, man, I can't necessarily believe that either. But they are blown away because our walk in Christ is more glorifying than walking in the destruction of this life. You know what? What's boring to man is beautiful to God. Do you realize that? You know what? I used to be a guy that likes to stay up till one, two, three, four in the morning and do crazy things. And even in, even as being sober and in, in a, a, a ministry, I still would stay up late and try and do as much as I can. But t- nowadays it's like, man, being home at 10 or 1030 after having dinner with my wife might look boring to man, but to God, it's beautiful because I'm working on my marriage or I'm working on my family and I'm trying to pursue God and give God the glory. I want to say this again. You know, the, you know, there's this big topic today. It's called the super spreader. A couple weeks ago, there was this whole topic of the super spreader. You know what's the super spreader? Sin is. COVID spreading, and there could be events where you're in a room with someone speaking and it could be spreading, but truthfully, sin is way more contagious and way more damaging. And that's what we see Peter talking about here. Let's get back in. Here's what verse five says. But remember, they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. And that is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead, so that they will, so they were destined to die like all people, but now they live forever with, this, with God in the spirit. God's role here is to be the judge. And Jesus is at the mercy seat of, of judgment. He's there and he's gonna judge people and he's gonna stand in for you and me if you believe. That's the beautiful good news. That's what we see here, that, that God sent his son into this world so that you and I may have eternal life through him and because of him and what he did on the cross and how he rose three days later. That's the good news that they're talking about. Those that heard this message now live in the spirit and have a chance to pursue God. Just because you accepted Christ doesn't mean you're pursuing Christ. Let me say that again. Just because you accepted Christ doesn't mean you're pursuing Christ. And here we see those that are, are living their life kind of blah and ineffective with God, they're going to be judged for that. You and I are going to be judged for that. I'm going to be judged on the way that I pray and read and live and honor my wife or dishonor my wife or honor my kids or dishonor my kids. I'm going to be judged and so are you. And that's what we see. God is going to judge us. And we will be judged how we judge people and we will be judged on how we live and pursue God. Judging divides us. But Jesus Christ, he unifies us. There's a lot of judging going on right now. And that's why we're divided. Even within the church, we're divided. So let me kind of go on a little rant for a second. This is a side note, has nothing to do with the sermon, but here's the thing. I am so done with people picking and choosing things of the Bible and not and, and rejecting other parts. You either are a hundred percent believer in the Bible, a hundred percent, not ninety-five, not eighty-five, not sixty-five percent. You either believe in God's word one hundred percent or you don't. There's no in-between. Today, we are judging other people and we aren't living a full gospel life. And I am so blessed to be a part of Journey because I know in every avenue that we can, we believe in the full gospel. I have heard more times than I, I, I could ever imagine how I've never heard that talked about in church like that before. Because we are opening up the text and we are not afraid to talk about any. Uh, anything that comes up in the Bible. It doesn't mean that we're not worried as we're going up on stage, but we go in fearlessly for the kingdom of God, not worrying about what people are going to say because we're worried about what God is saying. And today, there's a lot of partial gospel believers 
that say, oh, I believe in most of this, but we're taking some of the things out of context or out of the Bible because it's not what I believe fully. The Bible is 100% true. And Christians need to believe that. And if you understand that and believe that, you're going to see us unify. We're not going to unify politically. We're going to unify spiritually in Jesus Christ. There's division in the church because we're handpicking the Bible. We're going to be judged by that. And I'll tell you right now, I'm going to try the best I can to preach the gospel first and put everything else below because at the end of the day, that's what God has called me to do, to get you and me right in an obedient life with Christ, pursuing God and living for his glory. Verse seven says this, and this starts to kind of pump it up. Can you feel the energy? The end of the world is coming soon. I wish I had that sign with a, a scruffy beard. The end of the world is coming soon. First Peter 4, 7. It's a verse. It says the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Now, let me stop for a second. You know what? Journey needs your prayers right now. As a church, as a congregation, uh, as a council, we need your prayers. And let me give you three things to pray for. Thank you for all the giving and all the support and all the online activity that you've done over the past six months as we've gone through COVID. But there's three things that we are doing as a staff and as a governing board. And, and I want you to be a part of them. First is we believe that we are replanting this church in Pleasant Valley. In this beautiful Pleasant Valley, we as a, con uh, as a staff and as a congregation and as a board are replanting some way, shape, or form. And that should be exciting for you. So some of the ways that we did ministry in the old are changing and shaping in a new way because we are replanting and reshifting our staff and our priorities. So that's the first thing. Pray as we replant in this area of Ventura County. Number two, pray for a space to, for us to do worship and film and, 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 and build the community back. We do not have a place right now to really do that. And so pray. Now, here's the thing. We have a wonderful realtor. We're not asking you to look for buildings. We're asking you to pray. And as a staff and as a council, we are praying Wednesdays at 1 Together, collectively, wherever we're at, and I mean together, wherever you're at, you don't have to show up. You just need to spend a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, half hour, however long you can pray, and pray uh, on, uh, on Wednesdays at seven. And here's the last thing, and this is probably the most important one. I believe, Journey, when we come back together, we are gonna be focusing on community and community groups. We are gonna be building a community of Christ followers, being obedient, and ultimately, earnestly pursuing Christ. So there you have it. Those are your three prayer things. Pray throughout the week and join us on Wednesday at one. Let me get back to the text. It says, the end of the world is coming. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in prayer. Be earnest and disciplined. The end of the world is coming. After Christ ascends in Acts chapter one, that next day is the day closer to Jesus coming back. We are closer than ever to when Jesus comes back. And that could be tomorrow. It could be at the end of the sermon, maybe right before. It could be in a year or a thousand years. But we're closer. The end of the world is coming and we need to be earnest and disciplined. What does earnest mean? Earnest means showing sincere, intense conviction. We are, we are dividing right now because we are not earnestly seeking Christ. If we were earnestly seeking Christ, this intense thing would be about following Jesus and be on, uh, being on fire for the gospel. But instead, we're intense about other things politically, spiritually, racially, emotionally, social media-wise, media-wise, and not focused on the gospel. Pursuing God is not just a Sunday thing. It's not just an all-day thing. It's an everyday, all the time, every week thing. Hope that made sense. Pursuing God is not a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. It's an all-day thing. We're to pursue God in everything that we have. 
and doing as much as we can. So the first point of the message was pursuing God is not chasing our own desires, being finished with sin. The second point is this, pursuing God is loving God and loving others. Here's what it says, verse eight. I love this verse. In your Bible, it should be highlighted and underlined if you've never read this or if you've read this before and you're coming upon this. Here's what it says, verse eight. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. This is loving the world one person at a time. This is one of those verses that shows us one of the most important things the apostle uh, Peter is talking about is loving each other. Here he could be talking about anything, another story or something that nobody ever heard about, about Jesus because he was there privately. But here he says, most important of all is continue to show deep love for others. For love covers a multitude of sins. Loving the world one person at a time, right where they're at, covers a multitude of sins. And then verse nine, it says, carefully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. We don't really do that in Southern California. Uh, I don't really want you at my house. And I don't know if you eat like I do, or if you're vegan or you're kind of a carnivore. We just don't do that. And we definitely don't share our place to stay. When's the last time you said, hey man, why don't you come over and stay at my house? Not. This is kind of not appropriate in today's world anymore. And I don't know why, but there's a, there's a reason that's not appropriate. It's because we're not really pursuing God. So here's that point. Pursuing God is loving God and loving others. And we are on a mission at this church to preach the gospel through love. We are on a mission to love people right where they're at, to love Christians right where they're at so they can be obedient and actively pursue God and on fire for the gospel. And if you don't believe, we're gonna, we're gonna love you right where you're at so that you can get to know God and be welcomed into the kingdom of God. Pursuing God is actively and passionately, passionately seeking Christ and sharing what's been given to you. You know what? I wasn't a good sharer. Ask my sister. I didn't share well. I was kind of a greedy kid. And I've learned as a Christian that I need to share. I need to give away what's been freely given to me, the grace and mercy of God, but also all the wonderful things that God has given me. I'm to give that away. And that love helps me become a pursuer of God. We pursue God because he first pursued us. First John says it a little differently. First John uh, 4.19 says he loved us first, so we love him. But basically, we pursue God because he first pursued us. And here's the most important thing. If you're just tuning in right now, he has put within us a longing to pursue him. We are made in his image and there's something inside of me. When I'm on this journey with Christ, I am complete and I'm filled, I'm filled with the glory of God because there's something inside me that has this longing to pursue him and it's a lifelong thing. It's a journey. That's why we called the church journey because we realize it's a lifelong thing. And on that journey, on that pursuit is really where I'm supposed to be. It's not the destination it's being on that journey that makes us right with God. I love that. Hopefully you're on that journey. Here's the last point. Pursuing God is using your gifts to help, other, uh, to help and serve others. And here's what verse 10 and 11 say. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. There's a bunch of gifts in the Bible and maybe you have something that you're really gifted at and maybe it's not in the Bible, but maybe it's basketball or dancing or basket weaving or shark fishing or golfing. Maybe you're golfing for the glory of God. God has given you gifts and we are to use them, use them well to serve one another. There's a variety of them in the, in the, in the Bible if you don't know them. And uh, we have some gift tests if you're interested, but we want you to understand your gifts. And then he gives a couple of examples, two very important ones. He says this, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. I love this. 
Do you have a gift of speaking? You know, too often everybody in church thinks the only one that should be speaking is the guy on stage. Or maybe I'm doing it in Kids Rock or uh, VBS or something. But the truth is what it's saying here, if you have the gift of gab, use that gab wherever you're at throughout the day. If it's at school or if it's at work or if it's at the coffee shop, if it's at the grocery store, if you're at the soccer field or the dance studio, wherever you're at, use that gift of gab for the glory of God. And if you don't know what to say, do what I do as I'm driving to meet someone, maybe through counseling or discipling or just hanging out to talk about Jesus and some good things. I always drive and I'm like, Lord, use me and use my words so that I can speak as though you're speaking to this person. I do that all the time because I don't know what to say. I have nothing. Apart from God, I have nothing to offer. With God and God's word, I have a lot to offer. And then it says this. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you will do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You know what? One of the things I love about Journey is we have a lot of people that have a gift of helping others. We got like 120 people that love to help others. The truth is, though, we've been stuck at that number for about two years. We have 120 people that want to get up early and do all these ministries so that you can come to church and be comfortable. We need to grow that number. But we have grown because we have a bunch of people that have a gift that want to help you help you grow, help you uh, stabilize, help you walk into your destiny with God, help you pursue God, just help you with a few bucks. We have a lot of people that love to do that. But it says this, do this with the strength and energy that God supplies. Don't do it on your energy. Don't serve and and, and speak on your energy. Do it on the the strength and the energy that God uh, supplies. Then everything will bring him glory is what it says. And he gets the glory and the power because of how we pursue and live our life. A.W. Tozer says this, the man who truly, uh, the man who truly knows God must give him time. I don't know if I said that right. The man who truly know God, the men who truly know God must give him time. I jacked that up, but it'll be all right. He's saying this, if you know God and you're pursuing God, you're giving him time. Think about that grade right now. Are you giving God time or is it just this 45 minute or hour message this week? That's not enough. You're on life support if that's all you're doing. The man that truly knows God gives God time. That's what Tozer communicates. Now, A.W. Tozer's an amazing man. I think he died in the early 60s, but he was a pastor and he wrote over 50 books And he's one of the great writers in the uh, 20th century and has really shaped my faith and shaped a lot of pastors over time. And he has this book. And I thought about reading some chapters in this book uh, during this message, but I had a different idea. He has this book. It's called The Pursuit of God. And it's a must read as a Christian. It's a must read. Now, listen, I'm not a big reader. I don't read a ton of books, but this is a must read. It's a small book. And if you're not a reader like myself, it's about 10 chapters or just around 100 pages. It's small. It's, it's hefty reading. But I promise you, if you get it and you read it, it will change you from the inside out and it will help you pursue God. In this book, In the first couple chapters, it gives three examples of men that are uh, priorities are seeking God. Now, they're the greatest men in the Bible, but their priority was seeking God. And I just want to use them and some scripture to help you understand that as we as we close out this message. Here's some application. Here's what it says. David was the first man. We all know King David. We just went through the summer talking about kings and covenants and King David. But here's one of the things that Tozer writes about. And this is in chapter one. He says, David found great comfort in the assurance of God's presence. Those that are pursuing God find great comfort that God is present. He's working, he's alive, and he's moving. And I love this. And as I was rereading some of the book this week, looking through it, I was blown away as I forgot. It talks about Psalm 63. That's my jam. That's my psalm. If you've ever been in the hospital, if I've ever had to come and pray for you, I always read Psalm 63. Do you know why? 
because it makes me feel good. It brings me comfort and confidence of who God is. God gave me this verse and it's changed me. But listen to David as he writes this and look at it through the lens of a man pursuing God. Here's what it says. Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. Oh God, you are my God. I intensely passionately seek you, search you. I'm, I'm in pursuit of you, Father. I'm earnestly seeking you. Is that, your, is that your walk with God? Earnestly seeking you. You are my God and I'm seeking you. And that's why I read this because I start reading it and I get in the rhythm of God is good. And he's there and he's with me. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in this, in, uh, for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water, where there is division and no peace as an election year, when there's chaos and confusion and racial injustice, when there's political un, un, uh, uh, just stupidness. I earnestly seek you, God, and you solve all of the issues that I'm dealing with because I take all those idols off the shelf that I put up there with you, God, and I'm only seeking you, you and you alone. And then in verse 8, it goes a little bit farther, and listen to what it says. The first time I read this, it was in uh, the King James. Listen to what King James writes. I love this. It says, my soul falleth hard after thee. Does your soul follow hard after Christ? My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Are you going hard after Christ right now? I'll tell you what, if you're not, I don't know why, because the text is so powerful. This reading in Peter has got me lit up like a skyrocket on 4th of July because I'm working on refining myself, not because I need to refine it for you, but I'm working and living and passionately trying to serve the King of Kings. And I'm earnestly trying to seek, and trust me, I haven't been all year. I've been apart from it, I've been distant, and I've been separated, and I've wounded people. But honestly, in the last eight weeks, I am on fire, earnestly seeking him so I can be a better man. And I want you to. My soul followeth hard after thee. I love that. The second person, the second part of the, the, uh, the application today is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul considers all of his accomplishments garbage compared to knowing and pursuing Christ. There's a tremendous value or equity in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Is that what you believe? Do you believe the greatest thing that you own in your life is your faith and your, and your walk with Jesus Christ? It's not your house or your 401k or your billion dollars in the Cayman Islands. It's the value that you have in Christ. That's what Paul says. He's chasing hard after God. Here's what it says. Don't believe me. There's, look into what Paul writes. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Infinite value. What you have in Christ has got infinite value. You can't measure it, humanly speaking. It has infinite value. And then it says, for this sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage so that I can gain Christ. Is your pursuit in God, is your pursuit in Christ and through the Holy Spirit saying everything in your life is garbage and the only thing of value, infinite value is Christ? Man, when you're there, you're trending to a nine. And you're on the border of 10, which is heaven and, and, and the apostle Peter and Moses and Elijah. That's what Paul writes. And he says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what we need to do. And the last one is Abraham. This is in chapter two. There's actually another one, but you need to read the book. Abraham, the story of Abraham and Isaac is one of the best illustrations of a life surrendered. And this is all in this book from A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God. And he really goes into detail. But listen to the story that James writes about Abraham. And uh, if you remember in, in Easter, we went into the book of James and this is something Jeremy preached and it was awesome. I think he was at Scary Dairy, but it says this. Don't you remember that the ancestors of Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac at the altar? Listen, Abraham shows us how to put away the most valuable things in our life. His son was it. He was waiting for years. He was an old man. And this was the greatest thing that's ever happened to him and his wife. And he put it on the altar. 
That's what we see. It says, you see, verse 22, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. If you're kind of ho-humming around and you're not wondering why your faith feels alive or complete, it seems kind of disconnected and distanced, maybe your actions don't equate and are working with your faith. Verse 23, so what happened just as the scripture said, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous, counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. Man, that's just what I, that's what I want. If I was grading myself, I think if I'm working hard, I want to be a friend of God, counted righteous. I want to be a friend of God. I want to walk up and Jesus is going to put his arm around me. Say, Jeff, you were a good friend. You know how important a good friend is? That's critical. When your friendships are off, your walk in Christ is off, your walk in your marriage is off. Friendship is critical. And here he says he is counted as a friend of God. And sometimes the only friend we have in this world is God. Because sometimes this world has got you separated by it from everyone else. And maybe that's you today. Here's the last part of the verse. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. By how we pursue God, by how we put that uh, pressure on ourselves to pursue God and chase God and intensely seek him and do it sincerely with everything that we have makes us whole and complete. The pursuit of God and refining the pursuit of God is important to us. A close, intimate relationship with God can't be achieved through brief encounters, through a Sunday service, or watching this at home with a cup of coffee and your phone in one hand, checking Facebook out. That's not going to get you right with God. It can't be done with brief encounters. Such relationships that we see in David and Paul and Abraham, such relationships can only be achieved through long, continuous, loving interactions with him, earnestly pursuing him all day, every day, in everything that you do. Here's one more quote from Tozer. I love this. He says, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. You know, in our community group this week, there was a lady there talking about the, the kid that died in San Luis Obispo that was from Thousand Oaks, and he was 19. And everybody was kind of sad, and I was kind of elated because this guy, everybody knew, even they were saying on the news, that this man loved Jesus more than anything else. He was ready. God is a zealous God, and for whatever reason, God took him at 19 years old. He was ready. Are you ready? If you're bored with the worship, we call this a worship service. There's, there's prayer, there's worship, there's lyrics, there's uh, announcements, there's fellowship, there's the word of God, there's inspiration, there's conviction, all of that. This is the worship service. If you're bored with this, yeah, you're not ready. And the truth is you're not pursuing and you're more out of zero and one and you're kind of making this a lukewarm, that's ah, not really for me because if you're not choosing to pursue him, you're allowing the enemy to pursue you or you're allowing the enemy to win out. If you're choosing not to pursue, you're basically losing out. You're making a choice and it's the wrong choice. If you stop pursuing your relationship with God, it diminishes just like it does with anybody else. Think about a best friend that you had 5, 10, or 15 years ago. Maybe they moved and you stopped pursuing them. I got a bunch of people that have left town. It's hard to pursue them when they don't live here. Your relationship diminishes. It's the same with God. So here's the question. Are you ready to pursue God? What's the decision? Well, if you're stuck and you don't know what to do, I want to do this. If you have an Amazon account, and I know you do, everybody does, the Amazon truck is working harder than anything in this Pleasant Valley. I want you to know this, that if you go to Amazon right now and you type the pursuit of God in, it's free. It's free. You can download it on any uh, electronic device, your phone, your iPad, your computer. It's free. It's on Kindle right now. All you got to do is click yes and download it. And this little book, it's hard in some sections to grasp, but just read it. I've read it five or six times and I still don't get all of it but I'm pursuing God. So here's the thing, it's free. 
Go get the book. Pursue God. Here's the last thing I want to do today before I pray. As we're looking at our relationship with God, as I'm challenging you to pursue God, I want you to do something kind of goofy. I want you to stand up right now, and I want you to draw an imaginary line on the ground. You know, a couple of years ago, one of my friends, I did a wedding, and we put a broom down, and the, the couple jumped over the broom, and it was symbolizing walking out of the old and into the new, and I want to do that today right now. Draw that line and make a decision and step over that line. Jump over it, hop over it, leap over it, run over it, walk over it, whatever it takes, and say this, I'm, I'm going to do more. I'm going to work harder, and I'm going to pursue more of you, God. You're not going to do it because it's going to make you a better Christian. You're going to do it because he wants more of you. He wants more of your relationship. He wants more of your time. He wants more of your heart. He wants more of the things that you're doing apart from him to be things that you're doing for him and with him. Pursue God. Get the book. It's free on Amazon. And allow God to become more and more. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. And Father, I pray right now that those that are lost and have graded themselves one or zero, that they will be willing to go to Amazon right now or buy this book and read it if the Bible's not working for them because the Bible can do it too. But right now, Lord, wherever you're at, whoever's watching and listening, wherever you're tuning in right now, Holy Spirit, move in a way that radically transforms their heart, my heart, so that we will become eager and earnest prayer warriors and pursuers of you, Lord. Move in us right now. And Father, if someone's tuned in and they don't know you, and maybe the message didn't make sense, but they know there's a longing inside of them and that the Holy Spirit is just churning their mind inside and out, and all they could do is think about, I've got to do something. If that's you, the one thing you can do is say yes to God. And say, I'm going to pursue you right now. And all you got to do is open up your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. And all you have to do is repeat this prayer. And you'll become a child of God and be on this journey to pursue God. So if that's you, just pray with me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and soul and be my Lord and Savior. You died on the cross for me. And three days later, you rose so that I may have eternal life. Help me understand what that means, Lord, and help the gospel to speak boldly in my life. Holy Spirit, come over my mind, body, and soul and teach me to pursue you all the days of my life so that I can be like David and Paul and Abraham and just normal people that are pursuing you right now. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm so grateful that you tuned in today. Hope you enjoyed the worship. There's so many things going on. Get plugged in. Put in a prayer request. We want to pray for you. We want to see 50 prayers this week. And also, don't forget to share this message. Somebody in your feed might need to hear this. God's with you. God bless you. And God loves you.